2: The NFL Scouting Combine kicks off in Indianapolis, and I am here live all week bringing you the latest from Dirk Cutter, Jason Light, and, yes, John Gruden, who's on the podium at 9.30 a.m. today. I'll tell you what, man, I want to see this Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Is he Johnny Manziel 2.0? A lot of these guys can't handle the heat and get out of the kitchen. He's a baker, man. I love cooking shows. Baker Mayfield, looking forward to him. Looking forward to John Gruden. Your NFL news and notes. Lots of interviews this week. More than three hundred thirty of the top college players they they're here for what amounts to a, a big job interview for them. And um, so we got all that to talk about. The Tampa Bay Rays are being sued, not by their fans, but by Major League uh, Baseball Players Union, along with the A's, the Pirates, and the Marlins, for not spending enough money. Stu Sternberg was in Rays camp. We'll tell you what he thinks uh, about all of this and. Says his team will win more games than you think they will. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Verstik. And before we get started, I want to tell you about an offer from audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. is owned by Amazon. They're the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They've got 180,000 titles to choose from. And unlike streaming, you own your own books. So once they've been downloaded, you can even listen to them offline. That's audibletrial.com slash for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So I'm here in Indy near Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts, and home to the NFL Combine. And, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Steve, this began as a central location. The reason they call it the Combine is, is all the teams combine in this one location. Where I thought it was just doctors... Indiana
1: cornfields around there. <laughs> no. All the, all the combines like... out in the fields.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, I grew, right, I grew the up not far. Combines. I grew up
1: a couple hours from Indianapolis. So so you can crack on
2: it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. I got you. No, I'm good with that. Um, it, it uh, well, that might have combines might have something to do with it now. I think maybe it's a double meaning, but it's a central location. I mean, we're in the middle, you know, middle America here, um, and geographically, so all the teams would come here, but but mostly it was created for team doctors and trainers. I mean, this was the place where the players would gather for, and they'd get medical information and do exams on the players entering the draft. That was it, that's all they used to do, and then now it's turned into this unbelievable spectacle. Where you have 400 reporters or more probably covering this event, it's televised on on NFL Network. Um, Rich Eisen runs the 40. I mean, it's it's all of that. It's 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 really become like anything else in the NFL. It's become an event. I mean, they've managed to have something every month, and for February, this is it. So the NFL better
1: than anyone else makes the mundane an event.
2: uh, And they They and and they and they and they sell it. They in fact. I don't know if they're selling tickets to this, but there will be people watching guys lift weights, do 225-pound bench press. It's bizarre. And they didn't always do that, but they do now. And they can watch a certain amount of people can go in there and watch the 40-yard dashes and all that. Um, it's a little like, too, uh, it, it's the underwear Olympics in the sense that, you know, the, the players, are they're weighed, they're measured, they're poked, they're prodded, they're kind of paraded around like cattle. It's kind of bizarre. Um, for the NFL scouts and the coaches and, and the executives, and if you're, you remember, anytime, anytime, which is with the last 18 years, that there's Tom Brady involved in a big game, they always go back to you know he was picked number 199 or whatever. They show and that scrawny picture him, of him. Yeah, they show him in the, in the yeah in the in the gray shorts and the he's you know half naked and he's just horrible body and terrible 40 yard dash and you know. This guy couldn't play dead, and that's why he got picked in the sixth round. And he's the greatest of all time. So it's not always, you know, guys don't always show up here and convince you they can play. And if you talk to any GM, um, they'll tell you that this is just a tool in, in the sense that the, you know, the tape is what they rely mostly on, at least most most executives that I talk to. Isn't the interviews um, at the but- Combine
1: the most important
2: it's huge, yeah. I mean, there's the workouts which, look, I mean, there's a lot of players throughout the years where a good workout can send a player's stock soaring. Um, I've seen guys show up as well out of shape, not run well, and, and it can hurt them. Um, but they have a pro day to fall back on, most likely. They, they can improve themselves in the next month when, when they have their pro day. So it's not the end all. But the team interviews, that can cause you to come right out of the draft if you blow those. And you know, teams are constantly trying to push the envelope because, and my wife did this uh, for a while when she, when uh, her company had a sports agency. They, you know, these guys are media trained. They, they know what the the poison pill questions are, and, and especially, you know, what's unique to them in their situation if they have any skeletons. And so they spend a lot of time learning how to answer these questions and how to interview. And so, you know, what you'll hear from coaches and scouts is that oh, these guys are too. They're just too packaged. They're too prepared. So they'll try to they'll try to really shock them at times just to see how they'll react to things. I mean, anything from having one guy yell something in one year and the other guy yell something in the other year, or you know, making them go on the chalkboard and and, and do stuff, or um, asking them bizarre questions like what kind of pet you would be—a dog? Are you a dog or a cat guy? I mean, it, it just runs the gamut. Um, but the, you know, in addition to sort of preparing for the draft, which is what this is about, you're also right on the cusp of free agency. So all the player agents are here as well. And, you know, they're carefully observing the no tampering period, wink, wink, and not talking about their clients until they get to the window of March 12th through 14th. But as you know, um, there is a lot of discussion that goes on about free agency and about what teams want to do. And I would think this year more than ever, with the number of quarterbacks that are going to be out there in free agency. So it's bizarre. It's like the whole – literally, it's the one place where the whole NFL is here, from team doctors to trainers to position coaches. Um, you know, it's Jerry Jones and his cowboy bus. It's the hoodie. It's Mike T, Riverboat Run. I mean, it's bizarre. And for a week, this is the NFL headquarters. And, and you, see him, you see him everywhere. You know, in Indianapolis is a great. They have a great downtown. It's a great walking city. Generally, this time of year, it's really cold. Um, that's not the case, thankfully, right now. I think it's probably like in the, I don't know, mid thirties at night, and we're gonna we're gonna hit fifty or so. I've been here when you've had anything from snow, ice, rain, sleet, all in the same day. Um, but you see them everywhere at the bars. I like can Jonesy's at two a.m. And it's it's weird, and then the players. Um, Their biggest thing is just, you know, the wait. I mean, they have long days. They start, you know, with the medicals and go from doctor to doctor and team to team, and they're hanging around in their sweats, and, you know, and then they end up finishing their interviews around 11 o'clock at night, and then they start and do it all over again. So, But this is how the sausage is made, and, um, you know, it's it's just fun to watch because – a lot of things can happen, uh, you know. Some players you don't expect to perform well do now. You know at this combine, um, I believe was it, it was the Sam Darnold's not going to throw. I think that was the correct. Latest yeah, news. he's not going to throw. Yeah, so he'll that's that, going to throw off. at his
1: pro day, but he's not going. Yeah, to Yeah, that's going to
2: tick off. I can tell you right now, he's going to get a lot of heat for that. A lot of heat because it, that. That sort of became the norm. Like quarterbacks started, in, in, in players and players in general started saying, "I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to run the forty. I'm, I might lift," that sort of thing. And then that became sort of a well, way. He's not competitive, you know. But well, at, the, well, at the end well, of the day, we, he's going
1: to be a top five pick no matter what he does. And he knows it. Yeah. So why throw it. and potentially hurt yourself at that point? Well,
2: I, I mean, don't I think, I, think he's going to hurt the reason him.
1: not throwing. I mean, I get that.
2: Yeah, it's not so much for injury. I think what it is is they want to control the workout. They want to control who he throws to. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you got a bunch of guys that you never thrown to before. Right. Mm-hmm. They tell you what the route concept is right before you do it, and you might not look as good whereas, you know, you can go, you know, 70 for 71 at your pro day and everybody's, you know, saying what a what a great what a great uh, pro day you had. But it's it's interesting because it's kind of fallen back to this, that he's not going to throw because there was a time when a lot of guys didn't throw, and 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 the, and the scouts and, and the owners are not the owners, but the coaches got kind of ticked, and so everybody's like, "Well, I'll throw," and it was like, then now everybody was working out again, and now here comes Sam Darnold, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, just it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And you'll have the other thing is you'll have they have this huge convention center which is sort of adjacent to, and that's where we're going to be adjacent to um, Lucas Oil. But sometime this weekend, there'll be like a cheerleader convention almost every year. And it's so weird to see these little pixies running around, getting ready for their cheerleading convention, rubbing elbows with these, you know, hulking NFL players and all the coaches and celebrities that are walking by. It's just kind of a neat, neat thing. Um, I mentioned that John Gruden is going to have his um, press conference at 930 on Wednesday morning. So I'll have some stuff with that on TampaBay.com. And he's a rock star again. I mean, he's way more famous now than when he coached even nine years ago, and that's saying something. But if you watched anything about his introductory press conference in Oakland a few weeks ago, that was a spectacle. So that'll be fun. And then Jason Light will be uh, on the podium as well. I think around 10:15 uh, or so, 10:10:15. 10, 10, Bucks, as you know, on the number seven pick in the draft, you're just kind of out of the consensus among the top players. Um, a lot of the quarterbacks, if they go ahead of him, that's a better chance that you know it pushes down some players that the Bucs would like, but we don't know how that's going to go, and we won't know for a while. Um, I'll be in the interviews with uh, players like you know running back Saquon Barkley from Penn State, North Carolina State defensive end Bradley Chubb is a guy that's considered the best edge rusher, um, Minka Fitzpatrick uh, from Alabama defensive back. Some people think he's a corner, some things is a safety. Notre Dame guard Quentin Nelson, those are the names you're going to hear linked in one manner or another to the Bucs, and, and a lot of those guys just simply won't get to number seven. So, But every year, somebody's going to going to pop out at this combine, somebody's going to be out of shape, somebody's going to run poorly, um, somebody's going to score a three under wonderlick and it's going to get out even though they're confidential, so it's a lot of fun. So we want to keep it right here, and, and of course, on this podcast, we'll have updates and uh, lots of sound from... Dirk Cutter in from, John Gruden of course, and then and then Jason Light as he talks tomorrow. Well, you say, okay. you say that you
1: say that, that those players aren't going to fall, but you know who thought OJ Howard was falling to 19 last year?
2: Well, that's exactly right, and and 19 is a long way to drop because I, almost everybody that I talked to this time last year said OJ Howard's a top 10 pick, bar none. He may go top five. Um, he's that talented, and the character on him was an 11 out of 10, and that that held to be true and then you know i'm i've told everybody that i'm convinced that the bucks were going to take dalvin cook and think about how things would have turned out now dalvin cook you know towards acl does he do it if he's in tampa we don't know that um but at the end of the day they ended up sticking with doug martin didn't turn out well you know missed three games came back didn't gain three yards you know carry i mean it was just it was a disaster and you know, but but O. J. Howard looks like he could be a, a pretty good player for 10, 10, 11 years and has six touchdown catches as a rookie and blocks you know, starts to block well and playing playing a lot of a lot of reps. So yeah, that's the sort of thing. You're right. You don't you don't actually know what's gonna happen and, and that's sort of this is the unofficial beginning of two thousand and eighteen. When you get here, you know you're underway in the off-season full bore. So we'll have lots of fun this week. Okay, let's uh, talk about the Rays. I mentioned that, um, you know, look, we've talked about this, about the purging of a lot of their players, the fans, and people around the game, and even people in their own clubhouse uh, have been complaining that the Rays, you know, don't really spend enough on payroll. That's why they get rid of guys. Well, now the union has agreed, and they're filing a grievance um, against the Rays and some other teams saying that they failed to comply with those rules of spending revenue-sharing money. Money, and, and, and the fact of the matter is is that, you know, the Rays may spend as much or more than it did last year. But anyway, uh, the owner, of course, Stuart Sternberg, was down in Port Charlotte. And he was pretty dismissive of, of the whole situation. In fact, I think he was taken aback by uh, the grievance that was filed. But as he knows uh, – there's been a lot of criticism. So, what do you make of it, Stuart Sternberg? Uh, do you feel it's unfair?
0: Well, as far as spending goes on field, uh, the numbers will stand for themselves. Uh, it's kind of interesting that um, I mean, uh, you know, there's a whole group of you here, and I don't think anybody other than you, you, know, you and your family, know what you're actually getting paid, right? So, we have a bunch of major league ball players who, you know, their their earnings are getting dissected throughout. Uh, the media and Internet and, and, you know, whatnot, And that's been the case for a number of years. So, you know, that it's an interesting dynamic because in society, we don't really, you know, we we don't really know what our neighbor is actually making. Right. So so we get to focus on it. But with that, actually, you you get to see the actual numbers, assuming they're correct. And the speculation that, you know, what our payroll is and uh, what it actually is, And, yes, my, uh, I did say to you payroll last year was going down, and I will stand by it. It has gone down. We finished the year uh, because we added about 10, million, $11 million worth in July when we went for it. Um, you know, that wasn't expected to happen. If you would said to me a year ago as we were standing here, do you expect to add 10 or $12 million in payroll in July? I would have said unlikely, right? So we, we as our way, and I do think many teams, but, you know, I know I can only speak for us, we try to be reactive to what the marketplace will give us, whether that's for trades, um, for opportunities, and we've seen some opportunities to do some, a number of things recently, and uh, not everybody will agree with all of them. We have a good sense of what we're doing. We have a pretty good track record, I'd say, and I'll say a great track record in in putting a very competitive product or an incredibly competitive product on this field uh, for the last 10 years, and I'll stand by that for 2018 and beyond as well.
2: Well, he's right in the sense that people do know what, what their payroll is, and let's, let's start here with Sternberg saying that he wanted to reduce it, and he's also right in that they went up last year because at some point in July, they got within two, two and a half games of first place in the AL East. And they wanted to add guys, and they did. So they probably added 10 or $11 million to what they had already spent. So um, here's the thing. For as much as you know, losing Evan Longoria and trading Jake Odorizzi and, and, and the, sort of the deals that they made with Corey Dickerson uh, to the Pirates and all that, it looks like, if I'm not wrong about this, Stu, that the payroll is actually going up for opening day this year. Well, again, the
0: numbers speak for themselves. Uh, so, yeah, look, I—if I, somebody wants to, uh, you know, to give me the number five prospect in baseball for somebody who's making a lot of money, I'll be happy to cut payroll, right? But we're not in the—we're not interested in cutting payroll
2: and not putting this organization on better footing, uh, you know, in 2018 and beyond. So then, the word tanking might not be appropriate if you're in essence spending as much or more than you did opening day last year. So what do you say to those who say you are tanking?
0: We have definitionally run about the lowest uh, payroll in baseball year and out since we've been here. We also definitionally, over that period of time, have had pretty good success. Um, we, have, we have beaten teams with four to five times our payroll. Uh, I'm proud to do it. I don't like to make it a habit. I would like nothing more than to be uh, Parry Pursue. With all the teams in Major League Baseball, to uh, you know to, to compete with them as we do on the field, but also with a checkbook uh, to get us as good as we can on the field, there's no doubt that it's a it's, you know it's a big hindrance for us. And ideally, that's where the stadium comes in. When we get our new uh, ballpark, those monies go back into the ball club, as every nickel has gone into the ball club to this point in time. And nickels and dimes and dollars that we don't have as well,
2: and that's key, especially with the the news of uh, the impending TV contract that they have. That's going to pay them like one point two billion dollars over the next twenty years or so. Um, so that's huge. But you know, it's awfully hard to sort of be you know going down one track of wanting a new ballpark why you're trading away a bunch of popular players. So what about that dynamic?
0: I don't tie the, the two together. We're going to do what's in the best interest of the organization. We're going to do what's in And that means we're going to give this, chance, this, this team the best opportunity to compete year in and year out. How that plays into a new ballpark or any other factors, uh, while meaningful, I have to separate it. Because our first, second, third, and primary job is to put a competitive team out here and for me to be competitive consistently. Uh, we have done that. We're going to continue to do that. The organization's uh, poised to do that. Uh, so now that we've put that aside, if it doesn't happen to line up uh, because some of the players who uh, who aren't with us this year, who were here last year, I can say definitively, uh, now that I think about it and you've said that... Um, any of the players who weren't who were here last year who were not here this year mm-hmm. would s- almost definitely, if not certainly, not be here when a ballpark was opening anyhow. Now, if we were opening up next year, you'd look at it and go, "Well, how could you, you know, not take Longo into your new ballpark with you, or, or you know, Odo, or you know these Gokori, you know these guys?" And okay, I, I get it, and it factors in certainly as everything does. But um, that park's coming, and if it comes, and we're fortunate enough to get it done. Uh, it's the group of players that you see in front of you here today that you're going to see in our minor league system who are going to be the ones populating
2: it. He's right about that. It's going to be young guys, that uh, some of which are not in the big leagues yet. I did see where Las Vegas originally had the Rays winning around 80, 80-something games, 81-82 games, something like that. Now, since these deals have been made, they've sort of dropped that to somewhere in the neighborhood of 75, 77 games. Stu thinks that it's going to be more than that. So how many does he think the Rays will win this year?
0: Well look it's uh, whatever it is anybody in this group here is thinking I think it's more. I'm high man, how's that? I mean I look it's a, stuff happens, right? We we felt last year, mid June mid July, I mean as did many people, surprisingly, that this was gonna be a it could be at the makings of a playoff team, right? We went in and supported that in a dramatic way and, and lo and behold the guys that we went in and brought in did their jobs in spades. And Baseball happens, right? You get on the field and you do. So uh, as good as we've all gotten at prognostication and uh, predictions and you look at all the mathematical approaches that get taken and all, um, baseball happens. And, um, you know, there's no way of knowing. But I do think that we've been sold short. And uh, and I'm going to have, you know, if, if it turns out that, that the guys as we expect are going to perform better than anticipated, you know, we'll feel pretty good about it. And I do, I will say this, I, I I know we are in tremendous shape, as as good a shape as we've ever been in an organization uh, for the next five years, and that starts opening day this year.
2: Well, I'd agree with that. And baseball did happen. I think they went about four straight games without scoring a run right when they were trying to uh, to make a push for the postseason. Uh, but this grievance is still filed. There's still the union believing that they're not trying to win, that they're not spending the money they, they should spend. So, what do you say about the grievance filed by the Major League Baseball Players Association? I was surprised, you know, quite really, genuinely
0: surprised uh, when it happened. We've we've run our organization in a very open, you know, transparent fashion since the day I've come in. Try to prepare everybody for what we're doing. Uh, I think uh, we've almost always overperformed expectations. Um, And look, we've, uh, you know, we've we've got not gotten to the playoffs with our highest payroll in baseball and we've gotten to the playoffs with some of our lowest. We've got to the World Series with some of our lowest. So the number shifts around year to year for various reasons. We happen to be on a high end this year. And as you point out, uh, point out before, probably about as high in opening day payrolls we have. So it was kind of surprising. I don't know what happens from here. We've, it's uncharted territory for me, and I would imagine the other teams as well. But uh, if it wants to be explored or needs to be explored, I, 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 I don't see any I, – I don't, I don't quite – I don't get it. How's that?
2: <laughs> you don't get it. Let's just say there will be lawyers on both sides. There will be lawyers. The this, lawyers this will get paid. They will all get paid, and nothing will be solved. Um, so it sounds like, at least from here, that Stu thinks that he's going to win; that he's compliant. Look, there's, there's, com- I think we're
0: beyond what compliance is. However, somebody wants to measure compliance. Um, I mean, if, if we ran a, a, if our payroll was cut in half this year and we won 92 games, is that compliance? Or is it better to run a hundred million dollar payroll and win 70 games? Is that compliance? Um, I, I think that prognostication is that. We're going to have a very competitive team this year. Um, it's not necessarily as good as it might have been in 2010 or 13, but there's some of those years that people didn't think we were good, and we ended up fine and dandy. And I'm not being, uh, being Pollyanna about it. Um, I, I look at the guys we have out here, and I look at where the organization stands right now and how it's positioned for 2018 and beyond, and I think we're in incredible shape. And I know the funds that we're putting to work, uh, we, we we treat them all like 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 gold, and we, we don't throw these things around. We throw around nickels, you know. Uh, uh, we're very we're very judicious in how we spend our money, uh, but it's spent in a lot of forms, um, and payroll is one of them. And I think that the payroll we have out here
2: and the players we have out here uh, is is we're doing our jobs. <laughs> you know what? The next time that somebody says that I'm cheap, I'm going to say, no, I'm judicious with the way I spend my money. <laughs> it's it's really all one and the same. Um, look, if they win 90-something games with the lowest payroll, that's not compliant. That's genius. Mm. If they're able to do that, God love them. So here's the thing, um, and, and this is not to be ignored about this whole situation, whether you're talking about the stadium or you're talking about the payroll, as uh, the Players Association is. This TV deal is enormous, and going forward, it has to help the team. Well, if and when we, uh, we, are,
0: we have the opportunity to get a new TV deal, and uh, it can only help us to, to you know, increase our finances to put more dough on the field. The TV space at this point is quite dynamic and volatile. Um, you know, we, uh, when we do come up for a renewal, it won't be in the type of environment that, you know, we might have seen three to five to 10 years ago. Uh, look, the, the environments and markets and economies change for various reasons. And, um, you know, we've seen it. Look, the stock market, you know, not long ago had a you know, massive move over a few days. Markets do change. Uh, you know, there you know, some players have found a tougher time finding a market. This offseason, other players have found an incredible market. So it depends what's in demand at that time. Remains to be seen how the media landscape changes. We do believe, you know, there'll be some change going forward and how dramatic that is will, uh, you know, help inform, you know, how we do, you know, when we do
2: negotiate our next deal. How we do when we do. Fascinating interview by Stuart Sternberg. When he talks, he makes sense. A lot of things he says, I'm buying a lot of it. I, we'll, we'll wait and see. I I still think though, when you look at the AL East, and you look at the Yankees, who have managed to sort of do what the Rays are trying to do, which is bring up their prospects, and they hit it big time. You know, they cut payroll, they got rid of a lot of their their heavy salaried guys. Most of them got old, retired, what have you. Um, but you know, with the judges and the Sanchez's and and everything, I mean, they probably should have gone to the World Series last year, um, if not for the Houston Astros. So. You know, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen for the Rays this year, but, you know, Stu makes some sense. So it was good that he came out and good that he talked. It was an interesting interview.
1: Sometimes baseball happens.
2: <laughs> baseball happens. And you have all the plans, and then baseball happens. Baseball happened to him already once with a uh, Tommy John injury, but that's that's also part of the game. Before we wrap up, uh, some bullets, I guess, we're dodged, Steve, by the Tampa Bay Lightning. I went to this game. You were there, of course. Uh, all of a sudden, you texted me and said, Nikita Kucherov, he's out. He only played six shifts in the first period, and nobody knows what's wrong with him. And, and at some point towards the end of the game, third period, I guess, the Lightning revealed that he had an upper body injury, and now they're saying that he will be evaluated and um, could be actually has a chance at least to play Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, he and Tyler Johnson both could play. Uh, Johnson's officially listed as day-to-day. As He uh, kind of got his ankle twisted or hit uh, late in the game. Uh, against the boards and an official. So that's good news. The Lightning did recall Michael Bornival as insurance in case uh probably both can't go. JT Miller will, will be here too, so he'll be active.
2: Yeah, the good news is nothing long-term for either one of those guys cuz it, it it was pretty scary when you see Kucherov's out and then Tyler Johnson goes down. I still can't believe he skated during the 3 on 3. That was not and looked pretty good. Off, that was nice. and looked okay. Yeah. So that was not expected. So A little sigh of relief for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they look forward to getting those guys from the Rangers in and involved, and we'll see uh, how they do on uh, Wednesday. Uh, In the meantime, we thank you for listening to this podcast. We want you to make it a habit and also want your feedback and your thoughts on what you hear, what you enjoy, what you'd like to hear. Um, We're also here to answer questions. Anytime you have anything you want to ask us, you can reach us on Twitter at Day tv That's at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud and always uh, online at rstroud at tampabay.com. And we'd like for them, Steve, to rate and review this podcast. How do they do that? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether
1: it's Google Play or iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, any other method you get it, you can rate and review there. Please give us good reviews. Let your friends know about this and help us out.
2: Make sure you stay with this podcast all week. I'm live in Indianapolis. We'll have John Gruden, Dirk Cutter, Jason Light, and many, many others tomorrow and throughout the week, all the players that are here at the NFL Combine. For Steve Verstig, have a great day, everybody.